Hello and welcome back to the second episode of our new podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie, The Rugby Show. This week we have a packed show with interviews from the new Irish assistant coach, Neve Briggs, Ireland and Blackrock Colleges, Hannah O'Connor, and the head of sport for TG Car, Ronan O'Kushdala. But first of all, joining us again this week is Kieran Noble to discuss the last week's action in the Leinster Schools Senior Cup. Kieran, thanks for joining us again this week. I must have done all right last week. I got asked to come back, so... That's it. You got to come back right. anyway, so... You're <laughs> yeah, on yeah. Right now, I suppose we'll start off with that St. Mary's college game against Catholic University School. Um, St. Mary's, a good side, uh, a useful side again. Um, what do you think about their chances for this campaign? I actually didn't get to see that game because I was watching the one that was on uh, videos on the net. But, yeah, like, that result was pretty predictable in a lot of ways like CUS were coming up from the Vinnie Murray so a lot of the times those clo- uh, those skills that come up from the Vinnie Murray that's their ceiling you know the first round of the you know they don't usually go further but from what I've heard I've asked around like about Mary's and what they're like this season and there's a lot of positive stuff being said about them and you know the draw for them it's pretty good I think they got Kilkenny so you yeah. know that's a very winnable game for them and they are part of the top six, as such, as it's called. But I think, I'll, yeah. I'll get on to this later, but I think there isn't much of a gap between the rest and the top six anymore if you take away Rock and Michaels. But yeah, I think Mary's could be, you know, semi-final, maybe a final if the draw goes well for them. But yeah, they from what I've heard, they're a good side. And uh, yeah, but I was really impressed by Wesley. That was the game I was watching. Um, yeah. Yeah. And with that Mary side, I think they, I know you didn't see it, but they showed real guts kind of, they, they found themselves 14, I think five down at one stage. They conceded inside the first 60 seconds. And I think as they grew into that game, uh, a few of their, a few of their star players kind of came to, uh, came up trumps for them. And I think Dara Gilburn out half, he, he's definitely a player to watch out for. And not only kind of from the tee, but his playmaking style, he, he's definitely one for the future. Yeah, I, 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 go on I there, suppose- I suppose Mary's would have known even when they went behind that they can still win it. Like I don't think there would have been a massive fear there from them. I, it's just sometimes it's just about growing into those cup games because a lot of skills can get they can make a big deal out of that day in Donnybrook or wherever the game is in the cup. You know they can build it up in their head and sometimes that's not a good thing. So it can take them a while. Sometimes maybe twenty minutes, half an hour, kind of just kick in and get going. So yeah. From what I've heard, they're a real tidy team, so it'll be interesting to see. Definitely, and I actually spoke to their head coach, Kieran Maloney, and Derek Gilburn after their win. Derek, congratulations, great win. How can you reflect on that game? Yeah, obviously, yeah, great to get a win in the first round there against a good CUS side. Um, we built well coming into it, we knew they'd be strong. We kind of we started poor, but uh, yeah, obviously, great to get a win, and uh, we've got a big week to come. And you mentioned that they're obviously conceding inside the first 60 seconds. How did you and the lads kind of bounce back to that on the pitch? Uh, it was tough. You know, we knew they were going to be strong, so we knew uh, we identified what went wrong there for the first try, and we just kind of built on it. So we uh, we didn't lose the heads; we just kept it together, and we got the got the result. Exactly. And and what was the message kind of from Kieran at halftime? You were, you were try ahead, but was it kind of just more the same, or what was he saying? Exactly. Yeah, just uh, exact same. Keep to the same game plan and uh, not change too much. I know. I think uh, when we when we played our game. We broke them down a bit, so I think the message is definitely just keep the same. So, Kieran, uh, congratulations, great win. How can you reflect on that game? Um, I think the best we got the win. That's kind of the best way we can reflect on it. Uh, we started with a lot of nerves, I would have said. I've watched CUS over the last couple of weeks, and they have some really, really strong players. And they threw all of those strong players at us early on, and we weren't able to, to deal with it really. But uh, once we came back into the game and got a bit of attack and a bit of momentum. Uh, we were able to get through a couple of phases and, and get back into the game. Exactly, and like you mentioned there, conceding kind of just after the first 60 seconds. How do you think the, the lads reacted after that? Oh, incredibly well. Um, I suppose they, we went 14-5 down, so after that, how did they react? Um, we got ahead before half-time, we had a big win, and so I thought that was really important. Um, and then the second half, we worked well into a tough win. Uh, again, made some errors, but we're up and running and we'll be able to spend a lot of time now looking at that over the next couple of weeks. And then that, that half-time talk must have been something big for Evan Moynihan. Two quick-fire tries for him. Talk to me a bit about him. Great player, isn't he? Uh, he's incredible, yeah. He's fourth here, uh, so he has you know, hopefully a great future ahead of him in terms of his rugby. Um, great leader. Um, he's the one to be taking the team talk at half-time, so um, he, he knows exactly what's needed and, and he was able to come up with the goals in the second half. 
and confident ahead of them, the, the upcoming games into the final eight now. Do you feel like you, your side can really take on whoever's left in the competition? Well, yes, I do. Yeah, we've had we, we've had a really good season so far, and we've definitely had some challenges against some of the schools that will be in that will in that draw. Uh, but yeah, we are confident. But you know, the teams that are coming through now, Kilkenny are a really good side. Uh, Newbridge are a really good side after slow start their season. And then we've got obviously uh, Rock as well that's, that, that beat Michael. So um, there's going to be no easy games. Um, and we're just looking forward, I suppose, to get going and training next week and seeing where we can go from here. So obviously a, a very confident camp in that Mary's dressing room. But um, let's move on to the game that was on at the same time, Wesley and Ross Cray. Talk me through a bit about that game. Um, was there any standout for you? To be honest, going into that game, I was kind of, I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't actually seen much of Ross Gray or, or Wesley. But you always know that Ross Gray are a very physical side. And they. I thought the draw, when the draw originally came out, I was like, Ah, Ross Gray will fancy that, you know. Wesley aren't a big rugby school, and you know, Wesley, I think, have lost a number of their last few schools openers, like in the cup. And I was like, Ross Gray should do it, you know. I didn't, from what I heard about Ross Gray, they weren't a side to really worry about, you know, further later in the competition. But I thought they'd do it. But when Wesley came out, you know, I was like, this isn't a bad side. And when they were winning, but when they lost their captain, Dan Campbell, I thought maybe that would take the air out of the balloon a bit and they'd lose it. But they were they just were really hard grafters, you know. There wasn't a lot of uh, exciting rugby, but it was real grafting, you know. Uh, in the centre, Toby Durham was excellent, I thought. I was really impressed by him. And to be honest, all Ross Gray had was OG, the big winger. They were going through him all the time and trying to get him on the ball and bring him in. They didn't have anything else. So I think Wesley kind of figured that out and they used their forwards and they matched Ross Gray in the physicals which I was really surprised by and to be honest that was probably the shock of the round in a lot of ways because no one really seen that coming I didn't see that coming if someone had said to me who do you think is going to win I'd say ah Ross Gray because as I said Wesley don't usually win at the, in the cup so a massive win for them and they go on to face Gonzaga now and it'll be interesting Very to see if they, can put a, if they can put any challenge to them um Definitely, yeah, and I think that probably was the, the slight shock of the round, but I think up against Gonzaga in that next quarter final, do you think it could be a step too far for them? Uh, to be honest, if I was talking about my favourites for the competition, Black Rock are number one, but Gonzaga are definitely a team you have to watch. Like um, three years ago, I think it was three years ago, yeah, Gonzaga made the final against Michaels, and, and then they beat Rock the next year, and I think they're just on an upward curve in that school. They're doing great rugby things. And from the performance I've seen against Clongos, okay, they let Clongos back into the game a bit and they almost messed it up. But they were the better team, I thought, by far, really. Like, when they were playing, they switched off a bit in the middle. But I think against somebody like Wesley, no disrespect to Wesley, of course, but I think Gonzaga should come out the winners. And then they're in a semi-final and who knows what can happen. Yeah, and then kind of moving on, then uh, Belvedere against Castle Knock. What did you make of that game? Yeah, it was very close, two evenly matched sides, you know. I, I think if either side lost, you know, you'd feel for them a bit because I think there was a case for both of them to win. And Belvedere won the last play of the game. So, you know, that says a lot about it too. Um, Interesting draw as well. Belvedere move on to play Newbridge. And if I was to look at the teams that are left, um, I was very impressed by Newbridge actually last Absolutely, week. Against, yeah, definitely. Against uh, Jared's because... The new the I kind of know a few people in Newbridge, and I actually seen a lot of those guys play Junior Cup three years ago, and they made the semi final and they won the league that year. But squad wise, they had one or two standout players that kind of carried them. So I didn't expect much from them in the seniors this year. I expected them to beat Jared's, but I didn't expect them to do it the way they did. And I thought the back row was Kieran Kelly, the captain, was really good. I thought. I'm sure uh, the breakdown. Yeah, the number eight. Kieran Mangan, another one on the wing, and Todd Lawler, and they do have yeah. a, a great side there and a very young side that are legend yeah, yeah. three years. No, yeah. yeah, the thing about Newbridge, and I felt for them, I really did, because COVID affected them probably the most, more than any other school, because the group of players they had that qualified for the final that didn't happen in 2020, they yeah. were so talented. You had a uh, Donal Lawler, you had Sam Prendergast, you had Lucas Bertie. 
you got, uh, Luke Dunleavy as well, uh, Dermot Mangan. They're all guys that are top level. And, you know, I really do think if that final had went ahead, it was a really good Clongos team that they were going to play, uh, like Callum Dowling, Oshin Devon at scrum half. But I really do think Newbridge would have won that cup that year. And a lot of those guys were staying on. They were going into sixth year the next year. So they could have ended up winning two senior cups. So yeah, I really felt for them. I really felt for them. But then it's funny. They won the junior cup. And now if you look at it, and if Ty Brophy comes back as well, that's massive. If they can yeah. somehow get him back on the pitch, that would be massive for them. But Paddy Taylor, Todd Lawler, like you say, I think maybe this year it won't happen for them. But I think in the next two seasons, they can yeah. give it a really good run. Exactly, and kind of in terms of players that, I, that I've seen maybe in that TY year or fifth year, there's not many that are better than the, the two or three in that back line for Newbridge, and I think it definitely is exciting times for the school. But And then moving on to, to the final game of that last 16 round, Terranor College, 47, St. Fintan's 3. It was, a, it was a very strong show from Terranor, and it was in miserable conditions in Clontarf. I think we had every season within the 80 minutes, we had sun, we had rain, we had hail, we had snow, but in fairness to the team, it, it was very heavily snowing, and still played some insane rugby fast flowing rugby and then um, i actually spoke to james neil their coach and dara brooks after the match so dara congratulations into the final eight what are your thoughts on the game yeah thanks very much you know it was tough conditions but we we trained really well this week to to learn how to play with these conditions i think the lads deal with it, dealt with it very well we made the decision to play against the win in the first half and then the second half i think it made it a lot easier for us i feel like fintons didn't have much had too much pressure on them to get it out of their own half and that's where we got our tries from. Absolutely, and you mentioned it there, the conditions, and it must have been horrible to play against that wind in the first half. Talk me through what it was like. Yeah, you know, it was really tough, especially when we felt like we were backed in our own half, but I think our kickers, Jack and Yago, did very well to get us out of trouble, and then we, we went on from there. Definitely, and, and that try that you got as well, is that something you kind of focus on in, in training and maybe fr from close range powering over? Yeah, you know, I think our malls really improved over over the whole year. At the start, we weren't getting much chain for it, but as the season went on, we really, really pushed on and it was great to score, yeah, in front of the crowd. Absolutely, and what's the message kind of from the management team for you? What would make it a successful campaign? You know, we want to go all the way. That's our goal. This isn't our peak. We want to keep going, get to the final new RDS and hopefully lift the cup. And I mentioned it to James actually in the interview earlier on about how impressive your replacements were when, when they came on. Can you talk to me a bit about them? Yeah, the subs did really well. You know, we've had a great seconds team all season and they've really pushed the standards and it's great to know that when lads come on, they can really, they can really give us a boost. James, congratulations. What are your thoughts from the game? Um, yeah, I thought the lads worked really hard. Like, to be honest, uh, to be fair to both teams, elements were pretty incredible. Um, I thought in the first half we did really well to manage it, really mature performance in the first half. Then in the second half, like to be fair to Fintons, it's impossible to get out of your half, you know. So like a lot of the ball was down here, so a lot of the scores came our way basically, you know. Definitely, and obviously two very big wingers on that on that Fintons side. Was that something that you'd maybe talked about before the game, maybe folks and play down the middle a bit more? Or? Yeah, like you know, we we actually talked about a lot of things before the game, and then we arrived out here. And the wind was completely different to what we thought, uh, so we had to do different things. And then, like, basically a lot of the plans we had were completely irrelevant, really, when we arrived out, to be honest. You know, we planned to be in Anzi Road uh, for the game on grass for the last six weeks. And we got moved here yesterday, which is brilliant, because the game got played. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of bits we saw from them, but like, to be fair to both sets of teams, I thought teams tried, they both tried to play out there today. Very challenging, though, you know. Definitely, and three replacements actually came on and scored. Is that something that you're you kind of focus on, kind of real squad game and yeah, get into them at the right time? There's a really strong squad there, you know. And there's 23 guys. Then we had seven other guys in reserve, um, and there's a few other guys in the crowd there. Um, some really talented guys. Uh, so the guys coming off the bench brought real energy, real power, and like to be fair, we're not that cold. I suppose uh, we're ready to go, basically when they came in. Brilliant. So, Kieran, I think we'll kind of end this segment before you join us for the DAL at the end of the show. I'm going to just quickly go to the quarterfinal draw and ask you maybe your tips uh, on each game. So, we'll kick things off with one of your favourites, I suppose, Backrock College against Terranor. How do you think that can go? Um, well, I was saying to you beforehand, uh, there was a comment made last week about Blackrock not being afraid of them anymore. <laughs> when I heard that at first, you know, it kind of took me aback. And then I really thought about it, you know, and I was like, I couldn't believe it, to be honest, because you have to remember as well, BlackRock were playing Michaels. So if you are if you look at the rankings, say if there was power rankings for schools, BlackRock is one, Michaels is two. 
So I think Michaels had a game plan. So we probably didn't see a best rock team as in Michaels had a game plan to shut them out. Like some of that, I didn't think we saw a lot of the Black Rock backline, but at times yeah. we did. So I think again, somebody like Taryn Yor, we could see a lot more of them. And the McCarthy's that they had in the front row, two fantastic players. Yeah. So I think Black Rock, they're going for their 70th title this year. And to be honest, I think they're clear favourites, to be honest. The only team I can really, I can't say a lot about Mary's and Taryn Yor because I haven't seen them. But the only team that I've seen that I think if they had a really good day and Rock maybe had a bad day, is Gonzaga. That they're the only team that I really look at and I say there's a possibility. But to be honest, Black Rock, clear favourites for the competition and favourites for that game against Terenor as well. Yeah, and then next up in the fixtures is then Newbridge College against Belvedere. And I think they're two very evenly matched teams, maybe on paper, and enjoyed good wins in the first round. How do you see that one playing out? Yeah, you said it there. Very, very evenly matched. I, I can't really I'd say they're probably at the same kind of... From what I've seen from both teams, they're very similar in a lot of ways. But I think Newbridge, if if it goes right for them on the day, like Paddy Taylor, he's only in transition year. But he's, player, probably, yeah. he's probably the best 10, like for that age. Like, you know... Yeah, to be... I, I remember when they got to the Junior Cup final that three years ago that I was talking about earlier. And he was in first year. And I think Newbridge went on to beat every first-year team that year. And they were begging to, to get Paddy Taylor to play juniors, but they wouldn't let him because he was first-year. So even then, they kind of knew that he was the real deal. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then, so obviously... I'd go for Newbridge. Newbridge. Yeah. And then Gonzaga, Wesley? Um, definitely Gonzaga, to be honest. Um, look, I know Wesley had that big win and they could very well do it again, but I think... Gonzaga were just so good with the ball. They were probably the best team that I've seen backs-wise. Like, they're 10. He plays a bit dangerous because he plays so flat to the line. And that can invite intercepts and all that sort of thing. But it's amazing to watch. Like, he was the best 10 that I've seen out half. Steve McMahon, he was unreal. And if they play at that tempo against Wesley, I do think Wesley will struggle. And I do think Gonzaga will pick them apart. And then the final game of the Leinster School Senior Cup uh, quarterfinal, St. Mary's against Kilkenny College. And I think, like the Newbridge-Belvedere game, two very evenly matched sides from what I saw. Yeah, because um, I haven't really seen much of Mary's. So, but from what I've seen from Kilkenny, they're scrum half, they're out half, very smart. Like what yeah. they did again, I think that Prez game, people probably said, ah, look at Prez, they're not that great. But that Prez team was actually really good. But it was the way Kilkenny had a game plan. They went after Jack Murphy and they went after the backfield. They were kicking balls, bombing them down. And exactly, they were putting, yeah. yeah, it was the game plan that they adapted. And some of their forwards, I think Watchhorn in front row, yeah. he was brilliant as well. Like So I think if they can adapt a game plan like that from what they've seen in Mary's, like who knows? I do think Mary's are the favourites. But Kilkenny, we were talking about Newbridge getting to the final a few years back. But actually that same year, Kilkenny were ahead against Newbridge in the quarterfinal and they could have beaten them. I yeah. think Newbridge had a spirited second half performance. But Charlie Tector was out half on that day and then yeah. he was with the Ireland under 20s. So Kilkenny is a bit like Gonzaga in that respect. They're going in the right direction as a school. So they could have their big day. Like, I mean, Gonzaga beat Rock a few years ago and nobody's seen that coming. So a win for Kilkenny over Mary's could be a massive thing for them. Definitely. And then elsewhere around the country, uh, obviously the Munster Senior Cup semi-final between Crescent College and Bandon Grammar was cancelled, but it has been rescheduled for the 2nd of March and the winner of that game will play PBC Cork. And then in the Ulster Senior Cup, Royal Belfast Academical played Methodist College in the first semi-final on March 1st and then Campbell College faced Wallace High School in the second. So Kieran, thank you very much. much and uh, I'll see you later on the show for a bit of a discussion about the AIL. Oh, you're having me back again, please. <laughs> See you in a bit. Yeah. So we will now talk to to Hannah O'Connor, um, Irish Ladies Leinster and Blackrock College back row.
We are now joined by Ireland, Leinster and Blackrock College back row, Hannah O'Connor. Hannah, welcome to the Rugby Show. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on here chatting deep. And uh, obviously a huge game this Saturday. How excited are you ahead of the clash? Oh, yeah, absolutely buzzing. Like I said, the build-up has been great to it. We've had essentially two weeks of build-up now, knowing that we've secured our place in the final. We managed to win our first uh, four matches of the, the top four which in essence secured our place in the final. So it's been great to have the extra week build up and had a good run out last week against the same opposition to help kind of put the last few tweaks in place ahead of uh, this Saturday. Absolutely. And a huge win over uh, Railway Union last week. And you met three times in the league, uh, BlackRock coming out twice um, on top and obviously you lost them in, in the cup. So they're, they're a team you know well. And um, what are you expecting from them this Saturday? Oh, yeah, we'd be very familiar with each other. I sent the you know, all throughout the last few years of playing against each other. And especially this year, I think with the new format of the top four, obviously, as you said, we played against them three times so far now, including that cup game. So yeah, familiarity definitely between each other is a big thing. Um, Yeah, we're expecting a ferocious contest. We know how they like to play. They're probably well aware of the way we like to play as well. So we're expecting a, a fast physical game. So it should be good for the neutrals to watch, but hopefully we'll come out the right side of the, we'll be hoping we come out the right side of the, the scoreline. Definitely. And you briefly mentioned it there about the new format and how important do you think that new conference competition is to the league and to teams maybe that are progressing or newer teams to the division? I think it works out really well for both splits of that in that conference and in the, the top four. I think for us as a team, we found a massive benefit to it. Like you're playing matches week in and week out that are of very high quality and they're must win games. You know, we know that it's the top two that qualify for this final. So we knew since the turn of the new year that you had to win every game and it was a big game every every weekend that you went out there since the turn of January. So that's been brilliant. And the same for the the conference as well. Like they've had big games against each other. And again, it's pushing everybody on um, to to put out their best team and to, to get the best results week in and week out. So no, it's been brilliant. Um, it's been what we've been crying out for, you know, to have games of a really good standard um, consistently. So yeah, we've really benefited from it and found the benefit of having that kind of consistency um, of games back to back week in and week out. So yeah, we've loved it. 100% and kind of with, with the future of the AIL, um, what do you kind of think could be maybe done a bit differently or better to get, get more teams involved or to maybe push it to a, to a higher level? Yeah, I don't know about it. I suppose getting new teams involved. I think COVID hit people pretty hard in terms of clubs keeping that kind of flow of momentum going. You know, we were lucky in the sense that we've had, you know, we had a really good coaching set up established before we hit COVID. Um, it kind of put a halt. We were on a good run and it put a halt to things, no more than a lot of teams. So I think we just tried to keep everything going as much as we could during COVID, whether it was doing stuff remotely over Zooms together, having kind of competitions within the squad remotely, um, whether it was S&C together, like from a kind of a, a remote location or things like that, just to try and keep the momentum things going. Um, I think for the future of the AIL, I think this has proven, this top four format has proven really beneficial to us anyway. As I said, those matches for everybody, everybody just wants to be playing high quality matches week in and week out. Um, so I think the nature of that has really helped and hopefully like the same for the conference that has brought their standard up further with playing those kind of high intensity games week in and week out. And hopefully then it comes back together after the year of kind of post COVID now that in terms of rugby sense that people have been able to kind of push on and that um, level of competitiveness will, will continue to improve. And obviously with TG Cahar now showing the, the conference final live and yeah, it's finally you're involved and then yourself at the top four, how big are TG Cahar kind of to, to women's rugby and to, to women's sport in general? Yeah, in my opinion, I think like a lot of our team would, would agree with me when we say like TG Carr are essentially trailblazers in what they do, whether it is having the likes of Emer Considine and Dervin Nickerford on comms duty, on having an all-female comms team there since, you know, a couple of, a couple of months back and then in everything that they do in terms of showcasing, you know, uh, whether it's the GAA or whether it's the AFL over in Australia with all the Irish interest over there, like they've they've constantly been pushing, pushing that bar higher and higher and, and showcasing women's sport in the same window as men's sport so it's been brilliant they're constantly pushing pushing that bar so yeah we're delighted to be part of that this weekend with them and not surprised that they're continuing to to put their support in behind women's sport again definitely and then if i can kind of um jog your brain back to maybe just the start of the season with black rock did you do any maybe goals that you as a, a squad set yourselves and, and what was your vision for the season yeah like with this was our this was our goal our goal was to i suppose the first half of the season to be finishing amongst that top two, top three places. Um, and I suppose we were, you know, unaware, I suppose, how you'd come back because it had been so long since games had happened. And, you know, gotten those games under our belt before Christmas was really beneficial. Um, obviously, the the Interpros then helped people get game time as well. But then since the turn of the new year, it's definitely been like we consider ourselves to be title contenders and have done. 
um the competition within our squad is 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 very high i said once 23 the has the competition has been fierce for places week in and week out since the turn of january and um, in all season really um we've got great depth in our squad this year which has really has really helped us and that's been a massive factor in it i think having two teams as well i think a lot of teams in the league have the same they have two teams you know where you can get all your all your women in your in your squad playing matches week in and week out that's been huge so that has added to the depth and that has added to the competition for places so that's been massive but yeah our aspirations were always to to be in this final so we've definitely been ticking off the goals as we went along we started the new year well obviously on winning in, in winning ways and kept it going then for the the five matches of that round robin format so yeah we couldn't ask for much more in that regard but it all counts for nothing unless we can do the business this saturday night so yeah this is the big one absolutely and then kind of looking a few weeks in advance um obviously a new uh irish coaching staff with knee Briggs joining um what are your kind of expectations for for the irish side in the in the upcoming six nations yeah, I suppose like the the new coaching staff uh, coming in has kind of breathed a bit of a uh, breath of fresh air into it. Obviously, you mentioned their knee Briggs, like she brings a wealth of experience in knowledge um, on the pitch and off the pitch and what she has done, like her her rugby CV speaks for itself, as does the rest of the coaching staff that are involved there. But um, yeah, I suppose it's it's funny, like you, you, you focus on the immediate goals that are in front of you. So like anybody within our squad, myself included, you wouldn't really be thinking too, uh, too much past club because club is everything and like this game is everything so like um if you get ahead of yourself and thinking you've already lost in any regard so yeah it's very much firmly eyes focused on the prize for this weekend with club but yeah it's exciting times beyond that then but yeah all eyes on this saturday for for now definitely and just to kind of to to end this um i have a bit of a quick fire a uh, few questions for you um if you're up just for uh, yeah, I hope you won't land me in, in hot water with anybody. I hope, I hope I don't. Anyway, so I think we'll kick this off with maybe who's the best passer that you played with? Michelle Claffley would definitely be up there as one of them. Um, best kicker? I'm going to say Maeve Dealey at the moment. She's on form as well, so I'm going to give her the nod. Definitely. And best best tackler if you, you had to put, put someone for a try. And now we are joined by Neve Briggs, Pinergy Ambassador. Emer Constantine would be fairly good for the one-on-one -on -one tackles, um, as would Nicole Cronin. They're always guaranteed to nab you. Um, if you think you're free, they're always going to ruin your, ruin your, ruin your hopes and dreams. Those two. Uh, and is there a, a biggest leader or a, a best kind of character in change room that? always kind of led from the front and someone that you maybe really looked up to um i suppose i've been lucky to be involved in a few squads but i suppose like michelle claffey would tick that box too and as would dorothy wall coming through would be a big leader but like there's loads of voices like christy haney as well like she's been leinster captain so we're lucky in that sense in club that lots of leaders and people well used to using their voices so it's it's very much welcomed so yeah it's been great and then the, the final one that i have um who's kind of the best tactically and is always maybe one step ahead of the game um that, that you played with um, it's a good one. Oh, that is a tricky one. I'm a big fan of a big fan of reviews myself. Um, who would be? Oh, God, I'm sorry, well, you're not on that one. I'm trying to think of someone. There'd be well, a lot of chat, like, there'd be a lot of people. I can't think, I can't pick one. Like, to be fair, like, within, one, like, yeah. within that setup, you'd, you'd, everybody would kind of do their homework, so it's hard to know. Well, we can change that final one. So maybe who is the yeah, biggest influence that you've maybe had in your career or someone that you kind of always took you under your wing maybe when you were younger, joining up with squads? Um, I suppose in Irish camp, learned a lot off Kira Griffin when she was there, obviously, because he was playing in similar positions. So she was great. And like as I said, she was always willing to to lend an ear or to give advice as that her expertise like as well had been great. So I'd say, yeah, she'd definitely be up there as well. She'd love that nod as well. <laughs> Well, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today anyway, and um, all the best for Saturday and um, all the upcoming rugby that, that you have to play. Thanks a million, Luke. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Thanks very much. And now we are joined by Neve Briggs, Pinergy Ambassador and the new Irish Women's Assistant Coach. So, Neve, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so, how happy are you with, with your new role and how much are you looking forward to it? 
Yeah, look, I'm delighted, excited. I think uh, a huge range of emotions, nervous, obviously. Um, but yeah, generally just very excited. Um, incredibly fortunate to, to be in a role like this and um, like working with Greg McWilliams um, is super, like literally just can't believe it really. I pinch myself sometimes in relation to it because, um, you know, he coached me when I was younger and uh, he's probably one of the best coaches I've ever had. Um, so to be able to work with him is just, it's uh, super. Definitely. And um, working alongside Greg now, what are your goals for this for the side for this upcoming Six Nations campaign? Yeah, look, I think it's very difficult, you know, in terms of goals, we've got to look after ourselves. We've got to, you know, we're obviously going to have a new squad because it's been a lot of retirement supposed to last uh, World Cup cycle. And so you've got to try and get uh, girls up to scratch in terms of international rugby as quickly as possible. I think we're also very different in Ireland in terms of the rest of the Six Nations. They're all going to, they're di- they're different in terms of their, where they are in their cycle. So they're all heading to the 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 World Cup in September, October, October whereas um, obviously Ireland aren't. So we're very much in a rebuilding phase. So I think for us, we've just got to concentrate on getting better, loading as, you know, new players. Um, and But from what I can see, it, it won't be that difficult task because I think the talent out there is extraordinary. It's not something that I realised until I took a step back in the screening camp last week and, and watched, you know, these 18, 19-year-olds absolutely ripping it up. And I think... Um, coming away from that camp on the Sunday evening, I just shot Greg a message and I was like, I'm genuinely super excited. I'm buzzing driving home because um, there is a huge amount of incredibly talented rugby players in this country and um, and they're so young. So it, it's just, it's, it's really exciting. Um, so I can't wait. Yeah. And you mentioned it there. It, it's almost a, a transition period for, for Irish women's rugby. And maybe with with the form of late, um, what have you made of kind of let's say last year's campaign and some recent internationals? Have, have you been impressed with some of the games and what are the areas that, that you think you really need to improve? Yeah, look, I think obviously the last year has been difficult enough for the girls, but I also think that they're you know watching the two November tests, I was really buoyed by the the level of physicality and um, the the willingness to go to go and get, go after the games. I think, um, and obviously. That the AIL, you know, since Christmas has split into two groups of the top four and coaching UL Bowls are coming up against these brilliant teams every week. The level of the games has just gone up and up every week. And um, so I think for, for me, I think Ireland are definitely in a much better place than many people think or expect. Um, I think there's a huge amount of talent across the board. And I think for us, we've just got to keep working on our ability to understand, you know, rugby in terms of our game appreciation I think that the the the, the local or the basic skill level um so it is so so good um so we've just got to try and get them up to the you know the test level intensity I think that that's something that many of them won't have experienced before um so we've got to try and replicate that as much as possible in training but um from a natural point of view natural talent point of view I think there's 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 a huge amount out there Exactly, and you briefly mentioned there about the AIL. How, how important is that that um, to the players to, to be playing against each other on a week-in, week-out basis? Um, obviously, you were very involved over your career with, with UL Bohemian. How important is the AIL to, to Irish rugby? Yeah, look, it's massive. I think it's the foundation to, to the building block of um, an interprovincial or an Irish side. I think it's, it's so, so important. And, you know, this year, obviously, we've seen all the internationals play uh, the AIL week in, week out, and it's been brilliant for the league. I think the quality, the calibre of the games has just gone up and up and up. And I think, you know, every week the intensity is getting better, the ability to move the ball is getting better, the understanding of of what's needed in terms of being able to go and win the AIL is getting better. So I think it's only, you know, it's been a huge positive this year and probably something that we haven't had over the last while. And um, so, you know, in order for your... If you look at it from a top down, in order for your international sides to improve, develop and get better, you've got to have a really good foundation of a domestic game. Flip that around in order for your domestic game to grow and become more competitive. You've got to have your best players playing. And I think this year has seen that in, in abundance, I think. So, um, yeah, look, I think it's incredibly exciting. and um, But also, you know, from a probably coaching point of view, you know, knowing that your best players are playing week in, week out, um, is, is, is huge. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned there about the AIL splitting there after Christmas into the top four and into the conference competition. And how, how important is that? So maybe some teams, they, they can play at the level they're at. Like you, you look at maybe Wicklow, um, Malone had, had maybe a tough time before Christmas, but it, it is very important for them to be kind of playing at a level playing field in that conference, isn't it? Oh, so, so, so big. And and the big thing is, you know, post-Christmas, the barter, uh, like almost every every game has been quite close. It's only been a score or two in it. Obviously, Bows and Railway last again has a bit of an anomaly for that. But um, I think that um, when games are close and they're competitive, you get better buy-in from the girls. And and it, it does nobody any good. You're going out getting absolutely, you know, hammered in terms of a huge amount of points and it's very difficult to try and pick girls up after that and get them to come training next Tuesday and Thursday or Monday and Wednesday whenever you're training so um I think from that aspect um it's 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 only been a good thing and I was speaking to Fiona Hayes last week from Fallon Colleg and she's seen a huge improvement in her squad because they're now able to fit themselves against teams of their level but also because they now have confidence in the fact that they're winning games, that they're getting better and better every week. And so it's 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 worked out really, really well this year. I have to say that for, from our perspective of Bose as well, you know, I think it's been a huge learning curve for our squad and um and, and for the young girls to understand that okay, what it goes and what it takes to win an AIL is something so much different and, and harder than probably in previous years. And so um it's it's from from the development of the domestic game, I think it's been huge. Um, it's a big thing now for clubs and and for the domestic side of the RFU is to try and bridge that gap between the top four and the bottom six. And it won't happen overnight, and I understand that. But it's in what you want to see is continuous improvement all the time. And that kind of leads into my next question. And it, of course, if you if you look at the men's division of the AIL, or there's five divisions. Um, how can can the women's side kind of develop and, and keep going? And is it maybe kind of getting all teams into maybe a, a Division 1B, let's say, for, for the women? Do you think that that could be something that would help kind of um, develop the AAL League? Yeah, look, I, I think the big thing is to make the teams that are in the AAL at the moment the most competitive. I think that, you know, we need to have more than a top four in order for our domestic game to grow and, and to provide players for, for levels ahead of the, the AIL. I think that that's the most important thing. I think there is definitely a foundation or a basis to have more AIL clubs, but you want to have them competitive across the board. So um, at the moment, I think, you know, the 10 that are there are more than capable of bridging that gap that that bottom six are, are. like they've got, a huge amount of support from their, their say their actual club and they've got to continue to push and, and grow the game. Um but I watched say like Setonian Scott Eaton's last weekend, I thought it was a cracking game and brilliant. um brilliant game. And um so from that aspect I think that they've got to take confidence now in the fact that they're they are where they are, but also you know work hard and I'm not saying that they don't but continue to grow and develop I think and evolve and and grow their, their players to, to be able to break that top four um, I think that the more clubs that we have sitting at that top tier of the AIL and the better it, it will be for further across the league 100% and kind of at, at the moment we're, we're really in, in the flow of the schools cup and, and, and the schools rugby was that ever anything that you got to experience? No, so I'm from uh, just outside Dungarvan. Uh, not very much a hotbed of rugby, unfortunately. Um, but I, um, I'm obviously living in Limerick now for the last uh, number of years. I'm helping out a small bit with present comp um, at the start of the year. So um, I got to experience schools cup rugby probably for the first time. It's it's incredible uh, to hear the noise. I can't understand oh, it. Just, it's crazy. Um, so from that aspect, yeah, look, it's... Uh, it's incredibly exciting. I think for these young guys, they're they're almost like mini academy players. They 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 train incredibly hard before and after school. So, um, but it's hugely exciting. And I think, um, I watched uh, St Michael's Black Rock last Sunday. Um, so, um, yeah, look, I think that it's definitely um, a real cool thing to do if you're in school. I think. Um, so hopefully we'll get to see that for the girls in the future. 
definitely and maybe kind of going back on your past career is there a, a real highlight that, that stands out to you obviously 62 caps for Ireland two Six Nations championships what is that maybe that what was that pinnacle moment for you um this it's look I've a, a huge amount of highs I think probably um I think it's hard to beat your first cap to be fair um I think that that's always an incredibly special moment um uh, but like then after that you're looking at like asking to be captain and Grand Sam winning 2015 and beating New Zealand in 2014 but um, I think the biggest high was the fact that I got to play at international rugby for 10 years I never thought I that would ever happen it wasn't something that um, you know uh, that I probably dreamed of as a kid you know I grew up in the GA hotbed and playing football for Waterford was my ambition. Um, but, you know, when you get a taste of rugby, you know, it was so natural in terms of the fact that I absolutely fell into it. I loved it. And I'm very quickly, you know, got on the, the bandwagon of trying to get to play for Ireland. When you do get to play, it's incredible. But also when you get to do it for 10 years, it's um, it's nuts. And it's only now that I've finished that I've kind of sat back and realised that, you know, um, you know, you become incredibly proud of, of of all the stuff that you achieved. And I only watched that Ireland-New Zealand game during the lockdown. It was on TG Carr, uh, Rugby Gold. And um, and at the time, you know, I was really badly injured again, rehabbing another, you know, a, a broken leg and ankle dislocation. And, and you, you're you kind of going through moments where you're thinking about, you know, rugby and, and probably kind of falling in love with it a small bit because, you're, you know, we've had some really tough injury moments but at that time I just thought sat back after that game and thought whoa you know I used to be good at rugby and I could play and I could play with Ireland and so yeah look I think that, that from that aspect I think probably the overall emotion from it has just been really proud and um, and getting to play at the top level for 10 years was just brilliant. And you kind of mentioned there how you kind of had your you were focused on maybe playing playing football with Waterford. Um, do you think playing other sports really helped you with your skill set for, for rugby? You see it with maybe a lot of players past and present at the moment and they, they've kind of spoke about playing, let's say, Gaelic football. Do you think that was something that definitely helped you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I encourage any kids that I see, I encourage them to, to play as much sports as they can um, up to a certain period. I played football with Waterford and rugby with Ireland until 2010. And... Um, just after that then I was obviously living and working in Limerick and it was just too difficult to get down home. So, um, but huge. I think I learned to kick and see space, handling, um, all that was was true football. And um, so, yeah, look, I think it, it's so important. Multidisciplinary um, kids that come in and, and also <clears throat> when you play a huge amount of sports, you're definitely going to have some sort of, you know, knockback or setbacks and, and you get losses. I think that that builds resilience. And when you become into and like you know academy or adult type of sport where you go into hone in on one thing, be it rugby or GA or whatever it is, a county level. But it, you know when you go to sport at a high enough level, you know that sort of knockback, that sort of resilience stands to you. And um, and it also you know opens your mind to to other things and it's not just so insular around one sport so i i I think it's so so important 100 percent. and kind of if i can bring your mind back to to maybe when you were um a child or or looking up or kind of aspirations to be playing rugby and i think kids nowadays they have a lot of role models to look up to with all of your teammates and players that you're, you're coaching now was was there a player that stood out for you that was a real hero of yours and you were like, oh, I'd love to be like her when I'm older or something. Was there anything like that? Yeah, look, I think for me, it was, it was not rugby focused because there wasn't much rugby around. I think, you know, it was definitely, you know, the likes of On You All uh, for, for Waterford and Coruscant and for Mayo. I think that they were two definite idols, you know, got to play with one and, and against the other. And, um, but you know, you look at the likes of Sonia O'Sullivan and, and breaking that mould for, for female athletes in Ireland. And, um, you know, I remember her in the Olympics and us standing around a, a car radio from one of the teachers in school and we listened to her race. And um, so, yeah, and, and you know, it, 
it's taken its a time, you know, but now we love it. We look to turn on television any day of the week and it's female sport on, and I think that's hugely important. You look at the GA and TG Gahar, ladies Gaelic football, they've been, you know, so um, in tune to women's sport, TG Gahar, to be fair, but also, you know, RT now are running also on Sky Sports. And, and I think that's, that's really important for young girls to be able to see. It's tangible then, you can see it. And, um and it just it, it creates a huge amount of um probably energy and enthusiasm for young girls to go and do it look like well, I I'm I want to be on television and I want to be able to do that and um so it's great. Absolutely and I think kind of to, to finish um this interview we have a, a little quick fire round for you. So oh, um, I'm just gonna ask you maybe on some of your past teammates. So if I was to say to you the best passer of the ball you ever played with, who would you say to me? Oh, Nora Stapleton. Tackler. Jenny Murphy. Um, leader. Fiona Coughlin. Um, and rugby brain, who had that kind of, was always switched on, could see one step ahead. Lynn Cantwell. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Neve. It's, it's been a pleasure having you on, and thanks so much again. Thanks a million. Thanks very much. All the best, and best luck for the, for the next uh, campaign that's coming up. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Brilliant. We are now joined on the rugby show by the head of sport on TG Carr, Ronan O'Kushdowler. Ronan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, Luke. Um, and I suppose where else is it started other than the upcoming AIL Women's Finals this weekend? Talk to me a bit about how that came around for you. Yeah, so I suppose last year, TG Cahar broadcast the Women's Interpros Rugby, and that went very, very well for us. And this is a great opportunity to uh, showcase Women's Club Rugby in Ireland. It'll be TG Cahar's first time broadcasting the AIL Women's Finals, so... Uh, I suppose we've had a lot of meetings with the IRFU over the last few weeks and, and it's just a great opportunity for us and, as I say, to showcase the women's rugby and we're looking forward to the games in Energy Park next Saturday afternoon. So it's 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 something uh, that we're really excited about and, and I suppose building on the coverage of the women's interpros last year, it's it's really good. And obviously TG Cahar have been um, brilliant kind of in, in showcasing women's sports over the years and as someone who's been around for, for so long with them, um, how have you kind of seen firsthand how much the growth of women's sport has really had um, across the country? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, there, there's thankfully more and more uh, women's sports events on TV every year. And also just the growth in terms of the number of players at, at all levels, especially underage. There, there's a huge growth in the amount of girls that are now playing, for example, rugby or ladies football or, or any of the sports that we cover. So. Yeah, it's it's great to see so many um, media outlets giving women in sport the, the, the coverage it deserves. So uh, there's, there's been a huge growth, especially in the last five or six years, I, I see. Absolutely. And then kind of maybe if you're looking forward into the next kind of five or six years, where do you kind of see TG Carr's role in women's coverage? Would you be looking into maybe bringing a couple more competitions or different sports or what kind of stuff are you still kind of looking to bring in? Yeah, well, it, it depends, I suppose. Uh, it, it depends. We've only got the one channel on, on Linear. Uh, we also broadcast events on our YouTube channels. So a, a lot depends on the on the various sports, the, the time of year, the structures that, that each individual sport has as well. So I suppose a lot depends on there's, there's factors there that we can't control as a broadcaster. Um, but like certainly we're always, always looking at, at various different events that, that that we can showcase on our channel. Absolutely. And then kind of with rugby in general, I remember TG Carr showed that very first um, Celtic League game with Leinster at Donnybrook. Um, how have you kind of seen rugby itself kind of since turning professional? How do you have, have you seen that kind of um, improve over the years, especially in coverage and stuff? Yeah, we, we have, we've been broadcasting the Celtic League um, stroke URC now since uh, for, for many, many years. And, it, it as a competition it, it has grown um hugely over over the last 21 years so it's 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 great it more and more teams joining the south african teams joined a number of seasons ago so the profile of the competition is is always getting higher 
uh, and it's great to see. And it's you know I know we've we obviously had COVID, which interrupted the schedules over the last two years, but hopefully now we'll we'll have the South African teams back soon, and uh, we'll we'll continue on with the games. And you, you briefly mentioned there about kind of other teams becoming involved, obviously the South African teams in the, in the last while. Is that something that has maybe brought up a lot of viewing figures for you at TG Carr, maybe with uh, the profile change into the URC and, and more people being included in it? Yeah, definitely the profile of the competition um, is is higher. You know, there's there's a lot of interest in seeing how the South African teams will play against the Irish provinces. So it's it's certainly you know there's an interest there to see what the the standard of rugby with um the south african teams you know what what they can bring to the tournament and everything else so yeah it's great uh, and as i say it's a pity you know over the last since christmas um we we haven't seen the south african teams due to COVID. but uh, hopefully now we'll have the teams back we're going to have them back very very soon so it's it's great Absolutely. And Ronan, thank you so much for joining us today for, for them quick few questions anyway. And um, all the best for, for the rest of the season with TG Carr. Thanks very much, Luke. Brilliant. Thanks very much. We will now be rejoined by Kieran then to discuss the, the men's AIL divisions. And Kieran, where else is it start other than a clash between a real clash of the Titans with two of the country's top sides, Clontarp and Lansdowne? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm hoping to get to it, hopefully, on Friday night. So, yeah, look, it's a massive game. I don't really think it's going to make a difference who wins, to be honest. I think they're both going to be in the playoffs, and they could very well both be in the final. But in terms of who needs the victory more, I'd actually say Clontarf, because the only team I think Clontarf have lost to this season in the league or in the Leinster League competition that they do before the AAL starts is Lansdowne. So I think Lansdowne have a bit of mental leverage over them at the minute. So I think Clontarf need to win that game just so they know, just so when it gets to the business end of the season, that they're like, we can beat these guys. We did it. Whereas I think if Lansdowne go on and beat them again, th there's going to be a bit of doubt in Clontarf's mind. It's, it really is massive. And you mentioned it there. Only two losses for Clontarf this season, one in the league to Lansdowne, one in the cup. And there's no doubt that'll be a, a fascinating game on, on Friday night. And then, just the rest of that table, Terenure College um, are in third place on 44 points, with Corcon in fourth on 40 points. Uh, and then moving on to Division 1B, uh, a big game uh, last week for Wesley and Highfield. And I think a lot of people were maybe expecting to be a lot tighter than it was, but it did end in a 30 points to three victory for Wesley. Um, how do you see the rest of that season planning out? Yeah, well, just before we move on to that, I just wanted to say that Terenure and Trinity at the weekend is a massive game because... Karen, you're going on to try and get 10 wins in a row. And for Trinity, I think they really need to win uh, if they're going to kind of stay in the race for the top four. I really do think they need to win that game. So it's massive for them. And I also think Karen, you have a few really tough games coming towards the end of the season. Like I think they have Lansdowne, they have Clontarf, and they have Young Munster, who they all lost to at the start of the season. So there are some big games coming up for them too. But in terms of uh, 1B, yeah, I was very surprised when I saw the Wesley result, to be honest. I did think Wesley could win it. I think they're getting more confident as the season's gone on. But I was surprised that Highfield lost by so much. And you'd worry now because Highfield were so far ahead at the start. And now there's only five points between them in second and the team in fifth, which I think is Shannon. Shannon, so, yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Yeah, they're in a bit of bother. Like, if, if, if they lose another game, they could really be involved in a playoff scrap. And that's something I didn't see coming, like, early on in the season. Definitely. And St. Mary's actually played. St. Mary's are in third place on, on 40 points. And so are Nace. They're in fourth on 40 points. But St. Mary's take on fifth place, Shannon. I think that could be another huge game um, that will really decide how maybe the final table is going to look um, at the end of the at the end of the year. But last week, St. Mary's did a very surprise loss to Old Belvedere. Um, and I suppose they've moved up to seventh now in the league. And do you think there could be anyone else outside of that top four at the moment that could make a late push into that top four spot? Um, you never know, I suppose. But I think the five teams, I think it's getting to the nitty gritty part of the season that you'd have to be there, thereabouts. Like you're either, this is the way I'd put it, you're either in the mix for a playoff you're kind of in no man's land if you're 6th, 7th, you know, 
I think sometimes you'd be safe from a relegation or and you're not really there for a playoff. And then you've got the teams that are fighting it out to stay up. So, yeah, I think, look, Nace are another team as well. I don't think a lot of people expected them to be in the top four. Um, and actually, when I was talking about all the good Newbridge players of that year, they got to the Senior Cup final. I forgot about Donald Conroy, who's been lighting it up for Nace this year. He's a fantastic player, really good player. So, yeah, they've done really well. And as we move kind of down the divisions uh, into 2A, obviously Queen's University, 60 points, they're 14 points clear at the top of the table. But obviously with, with the with the rule changes this year, it's not, not much of an advantage, but they do play second place Cashel this weekend. Um, uh, Cashel had a good win over Ballymena, who were in third place last week. Uh, Buccaneers are in fourth place and Old Crescent are in fifth. Um, Queen's University, would they be really your tip to, to maybe go up to 1B? Yeah, they look very good, but I was kind of thinking about this just in general about the way the league is and the way the format is. How are teams at the top going to going to manage the next few weeks? Like Greystones are another example, and they actually lost the weekend. So I'm wondering, are teams gonna you know taper their performance a little bit, where they're gonna be going down for a few weeks, maybe take a few losses, and you know work on stuff in training because. You want to peak at the right time. So I'm wondering for the likes of teams that probably feel comfortable in those playoff positions, are they going to do a bit of like game management and, you know, kind of try and peak at the right time? Because it really doesn't matter if you, if you make the top four, you make the top four. It doesn't really matter if you're first, second, third or fourth. But what does matter is how you perform in those two weeks when you have a semi-final and a final. So I think whatever club manages that best in every single division, not just 2A, 2B, whoever manages those few couple of weeks the best will go up and will get promoted. So Definitely. And you mentioned it there with, with Greystones in Division 2B. Um, first home loss of the season um, against Belfast Harlequins, who are a side that are really pushing on for that top four spot. And I think that is really a, a very competitive division. If, if you look at the table, Greystones obviously runaway leaders on 52 points, but then there is just five, or no, there's three points separating Galway Corinthians in second and, and Blackrock College then in, in fifth. Um, and Galway Corinthians actually face third place Wanderers this this weekend and just a point separating them two sides. Um, so do you think that there will be maybe an element of keeping your cards close to your chest maybe in, in the final weeks ahead of the top four? Yeah, like um, Blackrock and Greystones on the week. And it's actually being a rocker live streamer and Justin Middleton's doing the country but uh, yeah that's another big game because there's the other element to it as well you could say if a team keeps losing their confidence is going to be shot and they're not going to be able to pick it up and that is my big worry with Greystones being from Wicklow I'd love to see Greystones go up but I've seen them before they kind of do so well to a certain point of the season but when it comes to the business end sometimes they can they can fade away so it's going to be really interesting how they manage it, to be honest. I was really impressed with them, with Belfast Harlequins the other day, like really impressed. And yeah. uh, Greystones had a few injuries too that they probably didn't want. Uh, Dan Mannion went off again and Mark Myler got smashed in the tackle. Smashed and he'll be out for a long time, uh, I'd say. I was speaking to him yesterday, actually. I, I sent him a message on Instagram and yeah, I think, yeah, he probably won't be back this season, so. Definitely, and there's been a number of players kind of since um, since Christmas that have maybe been forced out through injury for Greystones. If you look at that, Danny Kenny was a, a big talisman in, in the first couple of months. The same with Ferdy Kenny, their top try scorer. So I suppose for Greystones' sake, you'd hope that they can maybe keep a, a fit squad and keep the momentum going. Um, I think a side that definitely deserves a shout-out is Malahide. They are still only in eighth place, but three wins on the bounce um, and a big win last week as well. So... Um, they're a side that maybe to keep an eye on, maybe not for this year, but for the following year. And then yeah, well, Malahide are another team that uh, have only recently, well, relatively recently, came up from the Leinster League. So they're kind of on, they're going the right direction, like a bit like Enniscorthy and 2C. Like, and yeah, right that's that's where I was going to head to 2C. And there's a, a real top of the table clash now. And a bonus point win for Scaries over Enniscorthy will see them into tied first place with the Wexford side. But Enniscorthy, an absolutely real shock last week with a loss to Sunday's Well um, away from home. Sunday's Well were at the bottom of the table but did move up to ninth place after the win. Um, and the two of them play each other this this weekend. I think that would be a, a real tester for maybe if they do meet in the top four. 
Yeah, I think as well, the AIL season is so long that you can't expect teams to win every week. Like, it's not sustainable. Like, yeah. of course it can happen, but not, it doesn't happen very often. So, when, of course, teams are going to have weeks where you're like, oh, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't great. Like, I was, I did the report for the Greystones game at the weekend, and I think I said it was uncharacteristic or something. Like, you know, which it was. Like, yeah. you know, teams aren't going to be, they're not going to be a hundred percent every week in performance. And as I said, it's getting to that point in the season now where they kind of have to manage their performances and peak at the right time. So yeah, I think there's, there's probably teams in every division that are kind of comfortable and know they're heading into the playoffs. So, you know, unless they do something really bad and lose a heap of games, like they're probably going to get to the playoffs. So yeah. they're like planning ahead for that. I think in their head, all managers will tell you, Oh, we we only plan for the next game, yada yada yada. But those guys are thinking about the playoffs. They might not tell you on camera, or they might, but they are thinking ahead, and they have plans for all those scenarios. And with Greystones as well, I'll just go back. The only good thing for them as well is they've had a really really good seconds team. So the lads come, there's lads playing there that could easily come up and make the jump to first. So. Definitely, and Kieran, we could we could be here. I'd say for another couple of hours easily, going through in depth into every club in the divisions. But I'm afraid that is all that we have time for this week. And thank you so much for joining us again, Kieran. Uh, it was a pleasure having you. Um, make sure you join us next Wednesday at 8 p.m. where we have another in-depth look at everything domestic rugby in Ireland. All the best. Thank you very much.